I'm recording. <laughs> playing with the house of cards here. This is uh Jesus. Oh God. What uh, what else is left there... is still uh nothing's nothing's left. It's all broken. My God. It's not broken. Everything's perfect. Everything's perfect. The world is good, right? The world is good, generally speaking. World is good. Everything's fine. Okay, cool. Every bright days ahead. Everything's great. Okay, that's what it has been uh, been feeling like. Um, oh yeah, what what were we talking about? Oh, that's right, the Canadian Grand Prix. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah, that's right. That's right. There was there was a race that happened. Oh, we should. Um, and by we, I'll just I'll I'll do the thing where we introduce the podcast start a podcast let's start the podcast welcome to the f1 files folks this is our formula one podcast oh yeah that's right i got a new microphone and i got a new radio voice baby uh this is our formula one <laughs> podcast it is uh, just a couple of best friends who have loved F1 forever and are now letting you into our weekly discussion about it. Not that we wait a full week to talk about it, but we we talk extensively every Sunday uh, about it. I'm one of those hosts. This is the most concentrated serving of yes. our week of Formula yeah. One banter. This is to spare every one of you uh, just the constant overflow of commentary that is running. Uh, but I'm one of the hosts. My name is Corey Willis. I am an actor, writer, <laughs> improviser out here in Los Angeles, California. This is John Lepore. I'm a creative consultant designing the future for film technology and automotive. And Corey, I greatly appreciate how you have uh, told our, our listeners mm -hmm. of the F1 files that they are participating in a sort of act of charity that we do for others in our lives around us so that they don't have to hear us talk about formula one as much. Was, was that the correct intent? Yes, for behind sure. Your... For sure. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I think that's a, a fair mission statement. It's a lot. It's I'm a, with it. It's a lot. Um, I feel mm -hmm. like I've, I've, this has been a thing that like, uh, uh, people I've dated are like into, they're like, Oh wow. That's, cool that you're into that and then very quickly are like oh oh you're into that okay you talk about that a lot yeah. you draw a lot of comparisons in everyday life to an international motorsport that you have a tangential connection to hmm okay cool 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 yeah that's that's exactly what it's this is a beautiful is. thing it is it is an act of charity so uh, our our benevolent podcast about formula one yes. uh we did have a a grand prix this weekend that you and i were both very tempted to go to uh, as we were discussing before zencaster so rudely interrupted us uh, we, it's yeah. um f yeah i mean for me here in northern new jersey it's like a five-hour blitz up the Adirondack Northway. Yeah, which I'm confident that depending on time of day, you can shave twenty percent off of that estimate, given the right road surface temperatures and conditions mm -hmm. and 
whatnot. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're uh, setting setting a purple lap up to to Montreal in the middle of the night, it's got me thinking that like from now on, I need to approach the month the month of June with an assumption that like at some point I'm just gonna have to make a just like very zero thought out sort of decision just to blitz my way up there. Just go on as short notice as possible. Yeah. 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 I, I, on the other hand, I'm out here on the West coast and it's a little bit trickier for me, but I absolutely am like now, I think after our texts back and forth about it uh, earlier this week, I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. We should start thinking about next year. We re- like really start actively thinking about yeah. it because it comes up every year. I want to go every year, but this year is the closest because of those extra tickets. I was like, ooh, I so could we, manage this. Yeah. We did this as a ritual in 2011, 2012, and 2013, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. It's a beautiful setting for a race. Yeah. The man-made island, which is effectively like a giant park, it's not hard to be walking from like viewing area to viewing area and then just sort of like stumble into the woods. Yep. Just kind of lovely. Yep. Um, the downtown is amazing and gets like overridden with Formula One related chaos yeah. on the race weekend. Like they shut down St. Catherine Street, like just for like a street fair. Um, I think that's the name yeah. of the the street that 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 that's on. But um, I think it's St. Catharines where where they where they yeah where where everything's kind of going going haywire. And mm. it's like for the local Canadians, it's effectively the official start of summer or the end of winter. Yes. I should say. Yeah, true. Uh, when the form when Formula One comes to town, they say like, "All right, finally, we survived another brutal Canadian winter." Yeah. Yeah, which was very. Oh, let's it was, throw down some some poutine and yeah, watch some race cars. Yeah, poutine and let's lay out on some lawns uh, and watch some poutine. Just do the old uh, lean back with your elbows propped up at right angles, uh, poutine on your belly, watching some F one uh, with some tall boys. You did say I just I just want to be clear. You did say lay back and watch some poutine. Oh, yeah. Uh, oh yeah which okay which is also like for me that's the moment the racing action is over i then roll over onto my belly with my elbows in the grass and just (laughs) stare lovingly at those some poutine delicious fried curds uh oh john i spent days days there it's a well-known fact that you cannot get like proper poutine in la and the closest I could get to it mm. is a place called Poutine Brothers, which sells like home kits for like a hundred and fifty bucks. And I was like, I'm not gonna get enough oh, God. poutine to feed a family. Like I can't. Mm. I know, mm. John. I know. Mm. That's the thing is, mm. I can't do that because what I will then do is totally and completely fill every crevice of my body with poutine. <laughs> until it's gone you'll be you'll be you'll be in the emergency room yes being like i i stuffed 
the the label that was on the bucket. I stuffed the label in my pocket if you need to see what the ingredients yes. were. Yeah, yes. Uh, I'm allergic to all of them. Um, yeah, it's it's going to be it it's it is a tough week. This has been a tough week. Uh, I don't get poutine in uh, New Jersey because yeah. New Jersey has disco fries, which are too similar to poutine mm-hmm. for them to be like, oh, instead of like, you know, cheese sauce, there's yep. cheese curds that are delicately melted in with your palm fries. That's oh. the same. Oh. The same with uh, with your heart. Chili cheese fries. French Canadians. Chili cheese fries here. Yeah. It, that's like yeah, the yeah, closest yeah. thing. Yep. Yep that you can get to it. So it's so different. Yeah. So yeah, different. Yeah. All of them. Yeah. None of them are poutine. Poutine, no. I think is the, it's the ultimate. Um, yeah. all right. Yeah. So, uh, Canadian <laughs> Grand Prix. We're spending so much time on poutine because it is like, it's so it's, important. It's you worth don't, it. Yeah. You don't it's understand. Super folks. valid. It's, yeah. it's yeah. a critical part of the experience yeah. for, for me, for certain. It's like you cross um, the border right. and you exchange your money and you get a styrofoam container heaping full of, french fries cheese curds and gravy and then and then you start your venture into canada but that's that's what you should do all right sorry Mm -hmm. sorry (laughs) still still so the the canadian grand prix unfolded this afternoon uh which uh is Mm -hmm. is kind of nice for for us particularly in the northeast because you get to watch it at like two in the afternoon yeah um being that it was uh, Father's Day, I was in very much like I can do whatever I want today. So I'm gonna I'm gonna just lay on the couch and watch the pre-race, and then watch the race, and I might doze off during some of it, okay, and come yeah. back too, and it's all gonna be and it's all gonna be lovely. Uh, it was for me a wonderful afternoon, mm. maybe not the greatest Grand Prix. Yeah, uh, yeah. And and sorry, we didn't do like a our roundup of of topics in advance of this, but I will just throw it out there that to me the the state of this race or the quality of this race is best defined by like the key moment of the race was watching Alex Albon hold up like five other cars for like. 25 laps yeah and uh for that alone i think uh i mean it was it was terrific it was wonderful to see albon finish seventh that's amazing yeah i think that's really spectacular for a number of different reasons yes yes um but i was also partially astounded that literally the race director was like go back to that you know scene of alex albon holding up five other cars in a train yeah and that that was for so long like alex albon's sponsors on his car saw significantly more airtime than any of the red bull sponsors or even the mercedes and aston martin for for that matter yeah which was wild because sergio perez had a pretty impressive drive through the field too so it's not that Yep. There wasn't action everywhere else. It's just that this was such like a specific story. And this felt very manufactured that he got driver of the day. Not to say that he didn't deserve it, but right. he got so much attention 
Uh, and it was like, yeah, driver of the day should not include how well you did in Q2 of qualifying. Granted, right. again, right, right, right. phenomenal job by the team, phenomenal job by Alex to put the car there, all that. But yeah, let's, yeah, that was, it was a beautiful story. It was a beautiful story. I don't mean to minimize it. It's just hmm, felt felt a little put on. I mean, to, there wasn't much to, else to me on. for that to be the highlight of the of the race. That was yes. to me. That was like, oh, that was that was all that happened during the race. I mean, there was there was some other brief fleeting moments of yeah. action of interest. Yeah, uh, sure. I think another thing that kind of flew under the radar was George Russell's race. I mean, he he well be bashed his car into the wall and yes put himself in a really bad spot but then he carved his way back through the field uh pretty impressively i thought um, like in, and then ultimately had to retire his car yeah in a way that was very careful because the i think the reason that he slammed the car into the wall was because he was trying not to get out of the drs of fernando alonso because he had just gotten into that mm-hmm. DRS and was like in the pocket and was starting to get a little bit of uh, an angle on maybe passing Fernando eventually in a lap or two. And then just yep. in that second section of that, that track, it's just, it's such a short track and that is such a punishing section of the track and deceptively punishing section of that track that like, Oh, it just, it broke my heart. I saw him going slow and I was like, oh, I know exactly what he did. I know exactly what he did. Um, and it's, it sucks, but he thought the car was done. He thought that car was done. Uh, he was apologizing yeah. and <laughs> then he kept getting, there were like some thumbs up coming from his race engineers. And I was like, oh, they're going to put that car back on the track. And then they did. Yep. I expected it to maybe trundle around and like come back into the pits and they're going to be like, yeah, you damaged the suspension or like you damaged something. Yeah. Uh along like the the drivetrain even or the the I mean mm-hmm. the, the transmission's back there and if you see the replay, he like slams into that wall. It's a very hard hit. Yeah. 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 It doesn't matter how fast you're going or like the angle. If you hit the wall that hard, like the back end of that car was like jostled up into the air. That was that was crazy. So impressed that he was able to almost finish the race and was going to finish in the points. I mean, mm-hmm. that, that was not meant to be. So impressed, very yep. impressed. Um, what other stories from uh, from from this weekend or or today did you want to touch on going forward here? So let's see. I mean, we we saw Fernando clinch mm-hmm. second place, yep. best of the rest. Yep, which was nice to see. I was a little disappointed that we didn't see him and Lewis duke it out more. It seemed like uh, when Fernando got back around Lewis, it seemed like a pretty undramatic or just like low effort sort of pass. Yeah, was really hoping that Lewis was going to reel him back in, and it just like never even got close didn't no change whatsoever in status aside from him just kind of continually falling back more and more yeah yeah um 
yeah, that that disappointed me a little bit. That might have also, you know, soured me a little bit on the on the race. For sure. Um, I will say uh Piastri saw some interesting moves yeah. from him yeah. during this race. Um going for broke, really gutsy stuff. Uh, made a killer, killer move on Hulkenberg uh near the start of the race. Yeah. That was very, very impressive. And then uh, what was it? it? Was it was like right before the finish line that he was he was duking it out. Who was he? Who was he going after? Was it was it him and Lance Stroll? I think. Um, but basically, like oh, after the checkered he, flag had waved, yeah, yeah. Because um, he was just trying to get into the points um, because there was going to be that. There was going to be that. Oh no! I'm sorry. I was. I was talking about Piastri, but it was it was Lando that on that last. Oh right, okay, that was McLaren on the the way to the start finish line. Yeah, yeah, but Piastri also, uh, yeah, yeah, but he he was he was doomed to to (laughs) fall back. Yeah, uh, what was it? Three positions. Yeah, because of unsportsmanlike, unsportsmanlike, yeah, behavior, unsportsmanlike behavior, or something like that is like the technical thing that they they. And, and that was because he was holding everyone up behind the safety car. Yes. Uh, so I think what was happening. Now, I thought I I thought they had a clear, a more clearly defined rule around like you have to keep like, you know, five cars distance from the car in front of you or something like that during safety car. Uh, so I think what it was is they were trying to double stack the McLarens for a pit stop, and he was just allowing right. for time so that he didn't get jammed up. And I think that he, on his yep. in-lap, just went a little too slow and ended up backing some other people up. Uh, I, I don't know for sure. I mean, we're just – I'm just a few hours out from watching the the race in its entirety, so I don't – I didn't get, like, the news stuff behind it, but – I heard his people, his engineer being like, you have a five second penalty. And he's like, what for? And they're like, we'll talk about it later. And he's like, do we know what it's for? Do we not know? And he's like, we will talk about it later. Um, It was, it was a really, it was, it felt like a, a parent who had just gotten like a call from the school while they were like out at like the the grocery mm. store with their with with their kid and they're like, "Oh. Who is that? Oh, that was your teacher." Um, hmm. Yeah, let's let's make sure we talk when we get home. And it's like, "What? Yeah. No, not ooh. not here." Yeah, yeah. Uh, what do you what do you mean? What do you mean we got to talk? Uh, yeah, it was there was the, the my stomach dropped uh when I heard that. Even though he had already like the penalty was already happening, but just hearing that discussion um uh, another stomach drop moment was in qualifying with Ferrari. And I think Charles made the most perfect assessment of Ferrari that I've ever heard, uh, which is we just don't make it easy on ourselves. Like that. It's just the most per and this weekend turned mm-hmm. out fine. This weekend turned out fine as far as like look at the points that they were able to secure, look at the the position that their cars yeah. finished, look at the teamwork that they uh, established and maintained throughout the race. But just 
Carlos having to call his own strategy pretty much for the entire race, which he's fine with. And that's like a known thing. He's a part of his engineering team, but that's just like a known thing. And it's, it's, it's not good that he does that, but it is good that he's able to do it because he deserves to have a good strategy. And I think he wouldn't have a good strategy unless he took control of it. And then by default, Charles is going to have to kind of react to his own teammate strategy. So Carlos wasn't yep. making these strategy calls. I don't think Charles' strategy would be as effective as it has been. So it's, <sighs> but it's too much to put on Carlito, though. Like it's too much. I mean, yeah. Uh, God, and it shows. There's, there's something still just continues to be deeply broken. Yeah, over at Ferrari. Um, and yeah, and I mean, it seems like it was super shoddy strategy in the first half of the weekend. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, and just dealing miserably with the changes in weather and whatnot and dealing miserably, no uncommon thing. Also dealing miserably with letting Carlos know that there are other cars finishing up their hot laps during practice and during qualifying. Like he, uh, it was it if there was going to be a car at that chicane it was going to be carlos signs and it was just every time yep. the camera whipped down that straightaway i was like is there a car up there yep that's going to be carlos i don't even know what it is i can't even see what color it is i just see that there's a blob up there on the horizon and i know it's carlos going slowly <sighs> mm-hmm. it was every time every time um so yeah he he deserved what he got he did but part of that's on the team part of that's on the team he could have been parked up on like yeah. offline he was sitting in the middle of the turn and awful like in like the middle of the exit of the turn or in the middle of the entrance to the turn or just in the middle of the straightaway like he was just doing real real so what there was a ton of these drivers obstructing other drivers yeah during qualifying yeah what's the root cause of this is it because it's a shorter track yes yeah absolutely um it's it's the shorter track it's the fact that it is a qualifying the the sessions are uh are knockout sessions so it's not just about whether or not you finish in like in any specific order uh i don't know if i don't it, it used to be a rule where if like you finished over 270 percent longer than the pole qualifier you were like disqualified from the race on sunday i don't think that that rule is still in i effect. think it's i think it's just if you it's just if you don't reach you know if you don't set a qualifying time within that you can still be out on the track taking your time, wasting everybody else's time, taking up yeah. space on the track and going as slow as you want effectively. So again, yeah. So, so a team like uh, a, a team like Williams um, where you have Logan Sargent typically at the back of the grid, like he could just, they could just not have him on the track and like that sucks. Mm-hmm. And that feels bad to even say that um, not, not Logan Sargent specifically, but the last two people you could assume that like oh okay well they'll just trade off spots as long as they're on the grid when the race starts great they're not starting from the pit lane but uh, 
it does create this traffic jam on every track, but especially a track that is as short as Canada. It's the shortest track on the circuit, uh, right? Uh, it's that yep. and Monza, I think, are the two shortest. It's that and another Italian track. I can't remember which one. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, or maybe it's Austria. Yeah, I can't remember. Uh, but it's it's not a long track. And the way that it's set up uh, is not just not long. It's that it has several straightaways and several chicanes mm-hmm. right before those straightaways or just after them. So it creates uh, a weird, like, you'll hear it called the, the uh, it's a Constantina effect where, like, it's like an accordion yep. effect where the car's in a traffic jam where you see stretch apart and collapse back yeah, together. Yeah. yeah. It's like when you're like going down a dip in a hill and you see someone way up in the front of the line of cars, hit their brake lights. You'll like watch every car subsequently hit their brake lights. And then by the time you hit your brake lights, that person who initially hit their brake lights is already pulling away. It's the same effect with F1 cars in those turns. So on a shorter track, bigger cars, that's just going to happen. Uh, and with the qualifying the way it is, it's just going to happen. Um, you notice it doesn't happen during the race, right? Uh, and it doesn't really yeah. happen when all these cars are doing their race simulations uh, during the free practice sessions because they're all moving at the yep. same clip. But qualifying, people are trying to set their tires up, set their windows up so that they can be outside of someone else's slipstream or getting a toe from someone just so that they can be in their slipstream or whatever so it just gets a little janky um and it's a feature not a bug of canada in my opinion and Mm -hmm. we also have such a biased opinion about this track because this feels to me this is like my home track like i will always look at this yeah yeah this is this is my home home track this is the um so I have an I I have an inherent bias because I love it so much and because this is where I like straight up like learned what the majesty of the sport actually could be and is when you go to a race weekend. So mm-hmm. but I but I do like it. I don't want it to ever change. I don't want them to get rid of any of these chicanes. Uh I hated the fact that they put that wall out. Um to yeah, stop turn the, one uh, yep oh that was i'm so glad that was removed it. before race day right it wasn't totally removed they removed a section that was big enough okay. to create basically like a concrete runoff so it wasn't like the barrier right up to the grass it created like a car's yep. width so you could like snake your way and rejoin the pack instead of having to literally do like a three point turn to get back onto the track. And when you got back onto the track, you were facing the wrong direction. Like I, I don't understand why they even tried to implement that. Uh, I get the need to, I was wondering, is it because there would be someone at say, you know, after race starts, someone in the middle or back of the pack that cuts off, but like is losing control and then is going to stream across and hit other people at full speed on the other yeah. side of that corner. Yeah, it's basically like preventing like the open lobby uh, like situation where yes, yeah, yeah where yeah. you can just yep. track track limits don't matter and you can just bomb your way through whatever infield you want and smash into cars um, because that hadn't happened at least not in recent memory uh, at that location 
Uh, I've seen cars go off there every single race at every start of every race. And this year was maybe the first time I've seen that not happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it didn't happen this year. Um, but yeah, yeah, it happens every year. So, uh, I mean, I don't understand why they... I don't know. The FIA is so weird. It's so weird. I don't, I don't want to get bogged down in this, but they're so weird. They just make weird decisions and decide to change things and not change things and then declare that they're completely unbiased or more biased than they should be and they have to walk statements back and they didn't go far enough. Whatever. Uh, uh, this is not about the FIA. This is about the boring Canadian Grand Prix. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. What about this race start, though, Johnny? I thought we were in for some fun at the race start. The ra- the race start was exciting. Yeah. There was a lot happening all over the place, mm-hmm. except for, you know, for first position. Yeah. But yeah. there was still, you know, it was still exciting seeing... Uh, you know, some intense duking it out yes. for the first, you know, effectively the first lap a little bit that continued on after that. Actually, I was I was surprised that the cars were staying pretty close together, even for the first like 15 laps of the race. Yeah. The field still seemed pretty bunched up. Yeah. To even some extent. Max. I don't think that Max built out more than. Uh, a five second like a three lead. second yeah well i mean for like the i whole assumed race. that was a i i assumed that was like a managed or controlled thing but then again i guess it would behoove him to open up a full pit stop yeah gap yeah especially with the possibility of rain because that was always a possibility today yeah. that it was going to rain uh every single session up until the race itself I think had a red flag or at least had like rain starting it or ending it. Uh, yeah, it was, yeah. It, this was a, a fraught weekend and I thought it was going to be an interesting Grand Prix because of that. And it kind of was. Yeah. It, it's too bad. We didn't get a little splash of rain during, uh, during the race itself, especially. Yeah. You say that, that. there was like John monumental you say, you say downpours. That? Yes. And you're- uh, Corey and I have survived the most intense, like unforgiving rainstorms ever <laughs> while attending the Canadian Grand Prix. The first two yes. years we were there, uh, it was unbelievably brutal. I was remembering this past week, a moment where we were trying to get under mm-hmm. either a grandstand or is one of the like, um, like covered bridges, covered you know, stairways, a covered the bridge. bridge. Yeah. yeah. Covered stairway coming off of one of the bridges on the track. Yeah. And like, we couldn't, we couldn't fit underneath it. Like it was like trying to smush people into lifeboats on the Titanic. Well, and like it, there was just too many people all, it was that. And then crowded also under there. Yeah. The fact that like, even, it wasn't just that we were all crowded under there. It's that everyone was packed onto this bridge and the wind was so intense that it was like driving the rain up and under the covering. So for like the first like eight to 10 steps up, you would still get like drenched as if you were standing outside. So it was this, it like, it was, I I've never experienced that kind of like, 
deep human panic of just being like, oh, we are all at the mercy of the elements right now. And there is no, there is no escape. Uh, Escape is out into the tempest and the tempest is why we're all here right now. (laughs) So we don't want to go back out in that. Uh, Yeah, it was, it was intense. It was intense. And that, that, that is something that's why I was like, Hey, don't, don't careful, careful what you're, you're, what you're wishing upon these people, but it's only because we've experienced it that we can say like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That there could have been. We can handle it now. We're more, we're more prepared these days. Even I think our second year going back, we were fully equipped and. Oh yeah. We were able to laugh. What do you mean? Literally laugh in the face of. We weren't desperately begging people for trash bags to use as ponchos. That's, is that what you mean by just being more prepared? Yes. Uh, yeah, having yeah, a spare change of that is correct yep. having a plastic bag in case it did rain to put our precious things in oh god just the simplest simplest things um yeah there so when when it started to rain in qualifying i i did like i had the same instinctive response that i had when uh when we went back that second year and it was going to and it was like (laughs) threatening to rain and then did rain a little bit like i had that same like there's a there's a a fear there's a, a specific fear that hits me when I am in jeopardy because of rain and it is all because of yep. that experience. Uh, this is so long ago now, John, this is, this is like over a decade. And I still, if like I get like a spat of like a big raindrop hits me in the forehead, I fr- like fully go into like, all right, I have to make sure I don't have a panic attack right now because if there's one raindrop that big, that could hit me. I know what all of its friends are doing and they're all coming for me and it's so hard to break out of that. So I, I, I stood up and yelled, it's happening Uh, when, when like there was like a little bit of rain uh, happening. I was like, Oh God, it's happening. It's happening. And I like stood up and was like pacing around my living room uh, before the rain hit because I was nervous for what was about to happen. Um. And it would have been nice to see some of that during the race, John. Yes. Yes. Um, But. So, all right. There was this other possible spice uh, Mm -hmm. floating around this weekend. Um, ESPN produced a entirely separate broadcast of the race Mm -hmm. uh, that was airing on a different channel simultaneously uh, they were calling it the grandstand, and it was basically the race broadcast playing within a window. And then on the side of the screen, there was two windows: one with Daniel Ricardo and one with Will Arnett providing commentary. Sort of. I flipped over to this a couple times, and I couldn't stay on it for more than like. 30 seconds at a time. Hold on. Uh, hold on I, a second. Hold on a sec, John. I think I misunderstood yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. what this was going to be. I think this was misrepresented if it is what it sounds like it was. So you're basically saying it was people commenting on a podcast while the podcast was happening. 
Is that in essence? Basically, that's pretty much. So, so it was extremely oh. podcasty, which for me, and I, I love me some podcasts of yeah. all kinds and Formula One podcasts, John, and other podcasts. John, I don't, I don't want to freak you out. I don't want to freak you out, but we're on one right now. Yeah, sorry. You just sorry. gave me chills, Corey. <laughs> <That's>... <laughs> uh, yeah. So yeah. Um, I yeah. So I yeah, flip yeah. over to this thing, and I and I'm thinking like, oh, this is gonna be great. It's gonna be like Danny Rick being a goofball and Will Arnett, who's hilarious, mm-hmm. uh, just going on and on about you know whatever's happening in the race. And it was just so strange. It was like there. It was like mega low energy, like low energy for podcast, low energy energy, Ooh. and just them like very casually and like Will Arnett, like just being like Daniel, do you mind explaining to the folks what the DRS system is? And like Danny Rick's like, well, it, it stands for the drag reduction system. And I was just like, ah, oh, dear God. And I grabbed the remote, switched no. back to the other channel, which had like, you know, blaring engine sounds and British people excitedly exclaiming over even boring stuff like, yeah, Alex Albon holding people up and yeah. being thrilled by that, and I was like, "This is this is the way, this is the way the broadcast yeah. is supposed to be." Why? So that sucks. It's their first time doing it. Maybe they're just working out the kinks. Maybe yeah. I was catching it just at the worst, you know, thirty second increments that I had caught. But I immediately was like, "Sounded great on paper. This was a huge mistake." Yeah, I mean, I I get Ooh. what they were going for uh which it sounds like they were also not in the same room together were they like they no were... they weren't it was it was it was uh danny rick was at was at the canadian grand prix and will arnett was like you know in his like but why wouldn't you know you... man cave or whatever but like why wouldn't you either fly like i get you can't fly danny rick to wherever Will Arnett is stationed in his man cave, but then like yeah. fly Will Arnett to the Canadian Grand Prix and build his man cave out there and have Danny Rick sitting in the man cave with him in like a grant. So it feels like it's a grandstand yeah, and have like a giant screen in front of them. So it feels or whatever, like you can cheat it. You can cheat it. I, have them surrounded by drunken Canadian fans literally in the grandstand. Yeah. Like make them like you dedicate a like, you know, 16 seat four by four block of the grandstand just to them being set up there with mics and cameras. It's and like whatever. When they and send like Martin Brundle out to like a corner, let them absorb the like that kind yeah. of thing. Yeah. <sighs> Let them absorb the local energy and excitement. Yeah. And just, yeah, it was just, it was strangely awkward and dry from what I saw. Again, I only flipped on a few minutes of it, but I was, I was intrigued. I was like, oh, this is a fascinating thing. And from what I understand, 
this is something that ESPN has maybe done with some other sports and maybe yeah. they've had either similar results and people like them, or it's just completely different based on the chemistry of the people that are doing it or how it's produced or whatnot. But yeah, this is, yeah, I was like, I I felt like I was like, I, I felt passionately driven to like jump back to the other feed. Like I just immediately was like, this is going to make me enjoy this significantly less. Which that's, I need to, you it's know, like, this race needs everything that it can have going for it. Come on. Uh, it's like going from like the jacuzzi to the pool to the jacuzzi again, just to be like, wow, I feel like uh, <laughs> it's jacuzzi and I create, uh, yeah, yeah, jump in that freezing cold. Uh, yeah. Oh, God. Um, well, that's unfortunate. I guess I, I want to give them a wide berth because this is like a really difficult thing to do to like to capture lightning in a bottle. I yeah. think I, I never listened to uh, the whatever stream uh, Will Arnett was doing when it was like the Amazon podcast. I don't know if it was the same thing, but like it, if it is, if that was successful and they didn't use the same format, I don't know why. Um, I don't know. I don't know. It's all, Hey, it's also not to get too deep into it here, but there's a very specific reason why shows and broadcasts are funny. And it's because there are comedic writers and producers who are mm. feeding these people mm. things to talk about or feeding right. them jokes. And there is a writer strike happening right now, which means that no one is feeding them any sort of joke. The people who are feeding them any jokes, if there is someone who's feeding them something through like an earwig, it's someone going, hey, Will, ask Danny to describe DRS. But like, hey, Danny, can you like have some fun describing DRS? It's like, what? I, yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I don't, I don't know. So it's, there's, there's a reason I want to like this. I'm very biased here, but like, I think that there's probably a very specific reason why that did not work because those two people are very charismatic, but they are not good at necessarily generating improvised funny material on the spot that is dynamic and chemistry driven. And like, you need writers, you need people who know the dynamic, who have like that outside view to help people along the way. Like, the broadcasters have teams of people who are feeding them information, yeah, feeding them stats, feeding them little tidbits. Yeah, sure. Uh, Crofty has like a ton of weird little things that he brings up, but unfortunately, they did actually mention when I tuned in, they had called out at the very start that they did have like a stat person that was working with them. Which is fine. Yeah. That's fine to have a stat person oh. there because that is an interesting component of the sport. But you can't just have a producer who's feeding yeah. you stats. You need to have someone feeding you like good material and going, hey, we need you to like bump your energy up. Here, Here's a topic. Talk about this. Hey, Danny, talk about like the sketchiest moment you had on a dirt bike see where that leads you like little things like that will help these people do a better job and i'm sure that they didn't have it because they literally cannot have it right now so 
yeah, I I don't know. That sucks. I wish them well, and I hope that that works in the future. And hey, if anyone ever hears this and they want to hire me to help with that, I'm happy to help, and I'll take this episode down. Whatever. Um, but like, I think uh, yeah, there's a, there's a there's a there's a better way of doing this, and you're just not doing it. Mm-hmm. So that sucks. I'm also glad I didn't trial like an ESPN Plus package just to. Ooh. Yeah, no. I came very close Extremely to doing Extremely not worth yeah, it. Yeah, so, oh, God. Well, that's a great way of turning fans off, especially new fans. Um, what else from uh, from the race, though? What, what else happened, uh, like, before it started to get kind of boring? Uh, were there any moments that, like, really, really stuck out to you? Um... Let's see. You know, it was Piastri definitely got me lit up. Mm-hmm. That was very exciting to me. I think it was interesting seeing the Haases both have some interesting performance yeah. in their, you know, areas of the of the race. Um Hulkenberg putting you know, it particularly in in qualifying and then getting putting a it, penalty. Putting it second in qualifying and yeah, getting <laughs> bumped right back down the yeah. the grid on a on a reprimand, but uh is, got is off what it is. Lightly, um, by the way, got off so lightly. He was speeding during yeah. a red flag. Yeah, during a red flag. Like you can I mean that was when he was putting in his his purple his sector. Time, yeah, so basically, yeah. It was uh well what happened was is he crossed the line and was just cooling down like he did not slow down. He put in that like amazing yeah. time and like it was completely free and clear. Uh, and then they threw the red flag, like just after, I guess, just after he crossed the line Yeah. and then he was like cooling his car down and then some beeps went off and he was like, what were those beeps? I just heard some beeps in my head. And they were like, yeah, that's your speed under, uh, under red flags. And he was like, wait, am I, am I going too slow or wait, what's happening? Like you hear him. My, my understanding was that all of that evidence actually was critical to him not getting a much worse penalty. Yeah. And that the FIA were like, listen, we reviewed all the communications, all the data. And it did seem as though there was like a clear case of serious confusion yeah. around, you know, what was happening and what was going on. Cause well, like that could get him better. a race ban. Like if it was egregious enough, yeah. it could be like, Oh dude, you're not allowed to participate in this race and you're not, you're not here next week either. Like you, you need some time to figure out what's more important people's lives or the time you set, because that's what Mm -hmm. that penalty usually is in uh, reaction to is someone going like, Oh, there was an accident way further down the track. I can put in my last sector and I'll be fine. I'm not going to hit anybody, but you never know if there's a recovery vehicle that's being moved onto the track or Marshall's moving or who knows what. So that could have been that's like a minimum like 10 grid place penalty so the fact that he only yeah. got like three grid spots was like whoa what how did that happen that's not how those penalties work um but yes it was a miscommunication he genuinely was sorry and was like confused at what he was doing 
to the point of where yeah. he quite literally said the opposite thing where he was like, oh, I, I need to speed up. And they were like, no, 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 speed. No, no, no. Slow down. Slow down. And he was like, wait, what? Wait, mm-hmm. I thought I was supposed to speed up. Like it's, yeah, it's like listening to a kid taking his like driver's test. Uh, but yeah, yeah. But like has never driven a car before. All, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so uh, that was was there anything else that uh that got you fired up during the race? Uh there were some moments um I had uh I had written down uh Max came over the radio uh with a couple of uh delightful things. Um one was early on, I think like lap 10 or lap 11. He was like I think I hit a bird. <laughs> um, which yeah. Is, yeah. 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 Whoa. What the hell? <laughs> uh, these are, these are the acts of God that quite literally we have to be like, yeah. Oh, Max hit a bird. Someone else might win. Um, because a bird yep. flew into his path, uh, on a man-made Island where birds never were intended to nest anyway. Like it's like such a weird Yep. set of circumstances that need to have taken place in order for Max to lose a race at this point. Uh, so that was, that was funny. Um, there was also a moment where he like skipped across the specific part of the track that George skipped across. Yeah. Uh, and he, he rattled his head so hard that he was like, whew, I almost knocked myself out there. I mean, this dude's driving like, a hundred yeah. miles an hour, uh, in an, in a rocket ship, uh, through like a, a wooded, uh, wooded Island. And he's giggling. Like he literally giggles at the fact yeah. that he almost knocked himself out. Um, so these, these are the things that endear me to Max Verstappen are moments where he shows his humanity and it's not just this like gross, like, uh, pedigreed humanity version of humanity uh so yeah him it helps it helps a little bit it helps a little bit it does not enough not enough john i'm not i'm not team verstappen here Uh, let's calm down um uh but it was there there are some moments that are pretty pretty great um the uh oh the the nick devries and kevin magnuson uh little traffic jam where they like shunted and oh, off kitten. the track. Oh. Yeah. I was cackling at that. Cackling. Um, Cause it just looks, those cars look so like cumbersome and so. Yeah. So unwieldy. So very much the, the Austin powers you yeah. turn in the, oh. in the cart, you know, um, and the, the horsepower yeah, is miserable and like the transmission so aggressive and the horsepower is like so aggressive that they can't really mm-hmm. engage they can't engage reverse without like the whole car shuddering because the car is like oh no no we're we go fast at 200 miles an hour we don't go backwards at all unless we absolutely have to and even then it's just so 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 cumbersome so goofy so ofy uh oh uh another thing from this weekend and i texted you about this was aston martin i think is 
I there's I think Aston Martin's like a real deal. They're they're a real deal threat, and I don't think mm-hmm. it's that they're just yeah. a, a real deal threat to Red Bull next year or Mercedes next year. I think they are a real deal threat to Red Bull this year. Like I think that mm. Fernando Alonso is probably going to win two or three races this year. Like God, I hope so. Yeah, yeah. And I think Lewis is going to win at least a race or two this year, uh, this year as well. Uh, and I think Charles, maybe if he can get it together and keep it together and have a, a really seamless weekend, he might be able to get a win too, despite Ferrari trying to undercut him. Uh, but I really do think that Aston Martin is a real threat. Um, mostly because of all and you think their you think their development path will outpace red yeah. bulls yeah. development so i i think and like sam collins uh brought this up uh i think that red bull has like a very clear idea of how to make this car fast and how to make this car fast with bringing like very minimal upgrades that just create like uh an evolution within that car to make it faster and faster and streamline it and strengthen its strength uh, strengths and uh, shore up its weaknesses. I think that they have that like all set for the entire season. But what I think Aston Martin has done because they had so much money because they were so low uh, or they had so much time to develop these cars in the wind tunnel and in their computational fluid dynamic systems. Uh, so they had so many opportunities that I think that they just basically came out with like two or three different development paths and are just going to put different parts into production as they see fit. Uh, because I think starting tomorrow or Tuesday is when the development allotment resets. So like they had to, they had rollover minutes basically. And it was like, oh, these will not roll over. (laughs) So we need to like spend all these dollars right now because we're going to get a whole bunch more dollars, but we won't be able to spend the current dollars that we have. And it's Lawrence Stroll. That dude's got so much money. One of the richest men on the planet. So they just put a whole bunch of money into these different like potential development routes and i think that they're just going to bring the ones that work online and they're going to be able to throw the ones that don't work by the wayside uh so that's Mm -hmm. and that and red bull's not going to be able to match that like if aston martin has a trick in the pipeline down the road that all of a sudden makes their car much faster and much more able to handle the straightaways than the Red Bull has been able to do it. And it makes it just as nimble in the corners as the Red Bull is. Red Bull's not going to have an answer for that. They're just not. Aston Martin can then go, oh, okay, well, all these other things that we were working on, forget about it. Stop making them. Stop making them because we found the thing that works. But like, Meanwhile, they've been able to figure out all these different, hey, maybe this will work. Maybe this will work. Maybe this will work. Uh, And they're just going to keep putting different things on that car until the summer break, until they figure out what works the best. And then I think they're just going to show up and clean Mercedes clock. 
unfortunately, this year. I really think Mercedes mm-hmm. is like, they're okay. Yeah. Well, but. I mean, I was very encouraged that uh, following the race, Lewis Lewis's key comment was mm. that the car felt consistent yes. to him. Yes. And that that was for him that was spectacular. He was like it it felt it there was no surprises. We knew where it was at and to me that's that's a terrific sign. Yeah. Or at least it's a it's a, it's a not horrific sign unlike every other sign that the team has had for the last year and a half. Yeah, yeah. Well, and also there was this like thing that we didn't mention I didn't want to look at it or talk about it because last year the W13 seemed like it was okay after the Spanish Grand Prix. Like they were like, oh, I think, mm-hmm. I think we sorted this thing out. And then it was not okay at all after the Spanish yeah. Grand Prix last year. And then it became very obvious that that car was broken in like multiple different ways. So the fact that it was like good in Spain and consistent and got better and better over the weekend in Canada. I think you're right. I think Mercedes, there is a, a Toto said it and they're proving it out. There's a baseline and now they can develop off that baseline. But my thing is, is I think that there's, there's just no one has an answer to Aston Martin's uh, multiple different development paths. I think that everyone else is looking at like, we will continue to evolve our cars but they don't have the capacity to like kind of throw out a development path and then start to pursue a new one the way that Aston Martin will because of their placement and because of their money uh, and because of Fernando Alonso as as your main driver. Like he's going to make a car work. (laughs) He's going to make a car work way better than anyone else. He's proven it. So let's pivot to the not so great part of the grid. Well, just know at the at the way, way, way back of the grid, uh, during Brundle's grid walk, mm-hmm. he encountered James Vowles yeah. and was uh, actually congratulating him about, you know, their position and the team's performance and everything. Yeah. And I thought it was interesting that uh, James Vowles was basically like, well, like, I haven't even had a chance to affect anything yet. You know, the yeah. stuff that, you know, we I expect some big improvements, but you're not going to see them for, you know, a year, a year and a half. Yeah, you probably know, 18 months or so. Yeah. That's how long it takes to make these things happen. And I thought that was just sort of fascinating and interesting. And I do, I think it would be nice to see over the course of a season and a half, Williams start to claw their way back up the grid. Yeah. Yeah. Well, also, if you think about it, I mean, the when Williams was still pretty dominant and steadily earning points and steadily uh, getting podiums, I mean, Valtteri Bottas was pulled from Williams to pilot that Mercedes after Nico retired. Yep. And that wasn't just a pull from like, oh, uh, we need like another like mercedes junior team that we can pull from like valtteri was doing really really well uh and i think one of his first podiums in a williams was at uh i think at canada 
at right? at Canada. Uh, I forget if he was on the podium. I think it was that he did exceptionally well in qualifying and like you know qualified, you know fourth, yeah, or something something along those lines. And it was it was a shocker that he was he was up there. Yeah. So at the the Williams is a good car. The Williams has been a good car. Um, that was uh, Lance Stroll was in a Williams too. I think he was the one who took over mm-hmm. for Bottas when. Botas went to Mercedes, right? I think. Uh, yeah, it doesn't really matter. Uh, but uh, it, it's, I do think that Williams has the potential because they are such an amazing team and have so, so much history that they've been. I mean, they've. I mean, the history sounds like they're they're designing their car in a museum. Is yeah. what the history sounds like. That's kind of where they've been at, and you know, I, I think it's almost a you know some of that history needs to be a little bit pushed off yeah, to the side, but, and they just need to get on with it. But to to be fair, okay, so uh, I'll 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 draw draw uh, I'll draw a comparison here. Uh, so if you look at like the giant sculptures on uh on easter island the heads right like people are like wow that's wild that's like so wild like even today in modern tech like it would be difficult to create these like it would be difficult to carve them it would be difficult to place them so geometrically like in proportion to each other right and like same with like um, the pyramids or the same with like the the south american and central american pyramids or uh or the the stone um like stonehenge uh right like all these things were created by ancient civilizations that by today's standards it's like yeah we could use like amazing machinery to cut perfect stones for stonehenge we could absolutely do that but if you give a modern crew the same tools as that ancient crew would they be able to do it and i think williams is kind of in the same boat and i Mm. think this is one of the reasons why george is so good at mercedes and why he was so good last year is because yeah you give him like a tool that's not great he's still gonna crush it with it because like he's been trained on tools that aren't great so like imagine what's gonna happen when you get George in to a race winning Mercedes, like we're watching, we're saying like, Oh wow. It's going to be really great to see Lewis, like have like his come. George is right there with him. Like, it's not like Lewis is blowing George out of the water. Yeah. So there, there's some, Oh no, not at all. That's a, not at all. That's a real conversation that is going to show up. Well, I think it's well. And, and certainly last year when the car was significantly worse, mm-hmm you know, George was able to get that much more out of it. Um, any way around it, I yeah. think there will be a beautiful montage uh, in an 80s movie that we'll see at some point looking back on James Vowell's, like, slowly taking, like, Dell computers yeah. out of boxes and, like, showing them to people and being like, and you click the button on the mouse yeah. and it allows you to do things on here. And, like, yeah. you know, some people you know, just being frustrated and angry with their caveman brows and whatnot. And then uh, eventually they start to pick it up and magic can happen there. Yeah. Yeah. 
So I I do hope, and I, I, I thought that this was kind of a beautiful, and that's why Alex Albon got as much attention as he did, is because William, yeah. Williams really got dogged out over the past couple of weeks uh, because of that floor and because of their performance. They just really... Oh, even still, they, they in the first... Uh, what 10 laps of the race you know their other driver just gets a call over the radio yeah. uh I, fr- I forget the exact terminology it was like something like critical message oh yeah critical message yeah. this is a critical message it was like pull the car over shut now it de- this shut is, it off this is critical yeah it was like yeah yeah do do not like find a safe place to pull the car over was basically the message was just like hey pull- i mean this is someone that's <laughs> also thinking about like we can't afford to rebuild this thing if it pops. Yep. And like, please save it. It's about to blow. Please yeah. save it. And folks, it's not like they were like, hey, pull the brand new car over, the one with all the upgrades on it. They didn't have any upgrades on Logan Sargent's car at all. There was nothing on that car that was like mm. brand new that they were like, oh, it's, uh, it's, it's still got its, it's still got the protective film over it. Like nothing, it was nothing like that. Uh, so mm-hmm. yeah, that was, that does put into focus where Williams is. They are still like hoarding uh, old old newspapers from the 1950s because they're like well it we could need insulation uh, and it's like well there's better yep oh, okay well that's probably not the best move um yeah what what else from from the race uh johnny mm-hmm. anything else pop up to you that was that was pretty much it for me uh you know i i found myself drawn in and engaged by it particularly yeah. because i think i was just feeling lovey-dovey about montreal in general but otherwise uh it kind of put me to sleep yeah there was there there were some moments there especially towards the end where hamilton was closing before he started closing the gap on alonzo and then once alonzo started pulling away i was like oh yeah i'm this i would be pissed mm-hmm. uh i would be pissed at this race if i was there in person uh because yep. it had so much potential and there was so much action earlier in the race and then there was so little uh towards the end um but alonzo i think like he played it very very cool uh did you hear what he said on the radio at the end when they were like talking to him no, what what was ooh, it? Ooh. So, uh I know that we believe in Dark Alonzo. I know that we think that he mm-hmm. is going to show up. Uh but there was a message on the radio that makes me think he may have really truly learned his lessons. Um and I think because he's getting Wow. Yeah, and also because they have now made the determination to go with honda motors right like i think alonso mm-hmm. i think whatever window we may have had where dark alonso was going to show up i think that window has closed because he's going to continue he's finally got a car that's a race winning you know potentially a race winning car uh he's got a teammate who will help and support him uh, and he will help and support and is not at all threatened by at all right that's a big big component here he doesn't really have to compete yeah. with his teammate he doesn't 
Um, his teammate's always going to have a seat so he doesn't have to worry about embarrassing his teammate. He can always lift up his teammate, right? So, like, he's got that. And when they came on the radio, they were like, hey, we're really sorry. Um, we're really sorry that we had to manage your race there and had to keep asking you to lift and coast, uh, that we kind of struggled there with, with that issue. And he came back on the radio and he was like, Oh yeah, no, I I didn't want to say anything. I was like, what? Wait, Alonzo could have won the race. I mean, he finished the race five seconds behind Max Verstappen. And he promised that they would not be winning by 20 or 30 seconds anymore. So he's delivering on his promises. And he said, yes, he is. If he had to lift and coast for the last like, tw- it looks like he had to lift and coast for either fuel issues or brake issues for like almost 20 laps of that race. If he had to lift yeah. and coast for 20 laps of that race and he finished five seconds behind Verstappen and I was watching those <laughs> sector times, he was matching him like, Clearly matching Verstappen, yeah. especially when he was on fresh tires. I think Alonso could have won this race if there was no real issue with that car. If he didn't have to lift and coast because of mm-hmm. those two things, there's a chance that it wouldn't have. We wouldn't be talking about like, oh wow, it would have been cool to see Hamilton battle Alonso. I think we would be talking about wow, Alonso just won the Canadian GP. <laughs> uh, like there, I, there's a real chance that we could have been having that discussion today, uh, and. Yeah, we said it in Monaco, and we're like, oh, what could have been? What could have been? With more hindsight, it looks like that really would have been his race. He could have won if they made the right tire choice. And with him having a near miss this Sunday and going like, hey, Mm -hmm. I know there was something wrong with the car. I didn't want to say anything over the radio because that's not anybody else's business. Uh, And then in the pen, in in the interview, too, he was also like, yeah, I don't know. Uh, was there something wrong with the car? And they were like, we heard the radio. <laughs> like, we heard your race mm-hmm. engineer going, we need you to lift and coast because there's a fuel issue. We need you to lift and coast because there's a rear brake issue. Like, we heard you to the point of where Hamilton's uh, engineer, Bono, came over his radio and was like, hey, yeah. just so you know, Alonzo is lifting and coasting because of a brake issue. Like, they knew exactly what was wrong with it on the Mercedes pit wall. So that means Alonzo yeah. definitely knew. And he's like playing all cute and sweet. Like, Oh no, I don't wait. There was a problem. I huh, could have fooled me. I, you know, I just, I guess we didn't have the pace today. And I was like, dude, your car was a little broken. You, you could have won the race today. Maybe. So I, I think, uh, I think we're going to see Alonzo win at least two races, at least two. Because if he wins one, hey, I'm all two. for a, I'm all for a countdown to an Alonzo win. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think it would be so sweet if it was at our next race weekend, two weeks from now. Yes, at the Red Bull Ring. Yes. in Austria. Yes, God. that would be the place. God, I would love to that. see just the most positive version of Dark Alonzo show up and throw down and then like somehow all those orange flares like they either like get snuffed out and turn to green or somehow there's just this like weird like someone takes control of every single hand holding an orange flare 
and goes, ah, oh, no, ah, oh, no, no, oh, I'm stuffing it in my face. Oh, no, I'm stuffing it in my own throat. And then they can't, <laughs> then they just choke to death on their own <sighs> orange smoke. I, I hate those flares so much. I hate them. I hate them. I hate them. I don't like them when they're for Hamilton. I don't like them when they're for Ferrari. I don't like them when they're for Verstappen. I don't like those flares. They suck. Uh, I know you have a different feeling. They're gone, right? We haven't seen them anywhere. I, we haven't seen them. I mean, they would if they're going to be anywhere, they'd be in Austria and at Zandvoort. Yeah, but, um, yeah. I feel like I feel like you still see them at the other tracks. They are, but they're not and allowed. We seen them at all during the race. I believe it's a ban on. Yeah, them. Yeah, they've been there. Yeah. There's been much more control over it yeah. uh, since. I guess it was Zandvoort yeah. last year where like someone threw an orange track. But also yeah. someone threw uh, an yeah. orange yeah, torch yeah. onto That's right. The track like uh yeah. yeah, like a Dutch super cool. Yeah, Dutch fan th- yeah. like it was such a weird like what are you even doing? Um yeah. So that was uh that that was a fun race. There was a tiny bit of action there at the very end where I thought Alonso or not Alonso, I thought Ocon's wing was going to fall off. Did you see that? Yeah, apparently partially intentional. The way the car the the wing is rocking I guess. back and forth. Yeah. Yeah. It's just the curbs do a little bit did a little more damage to that than was expected. I don't know. I mean it looked it looked real loose. I mean it's a real clever trick to keep Lando Norris yeah. off your tail. Oh yeah. For him to think that like Oh God! There's a ladder that's loose in the pickup truck in front of me. I'm not gonna yeah. drive right up behind it, you know. Yeah, and then he wakes up on uh, uh, on his own private plane. Uh, um, he's like, oh, yes, oh, yeah. Oh, what was that? Everyone's like, Lando, are you okay? Uh, Final destination, y'all. You got to watch those movies. They're so good and so terrible. Uh, yeah, they're wonderful. Any, yeah. <laughs> any uh, anything else from uh, from the Canadian Grand Prix, Johnny? Other than a deep yearning to fill every orifice of your body with poutine. <laughs> yeah, uh, that that's pretty much it for me. Missing missing the poutine, yeah. real bad. Yeah, yeah, me too. Uh, I thought um, I did think that the uh, the stock did go up uh, this this week because it was on Canadian soil, so it's on the continent of North America. This is. Uh, yet another broadcast on on abc on like mainstream free yeah over the air broadcast abc which was cool to see and not only that i was surprised abc ran 90 minutes of pre-race oh um, as part of their broadcast yeah oh wow that's like the full uh, f1 tv uh pre-race show because that's that's yeah that's yeah. how long the pre-race yep. show is uh that i watch oh that's cool yeah it was yeah. the it was the whole deal yeah nice 90 minutes of that which uh uh again you know unexpected for u.s broadcast yeah but, yeah uh, a nice investment of interest to see hey i love it i love when we see our tv waves taken over by an international thing um just because like there is nothing there is nothing that we do here in the U.S. other than tennis that like is like tr- that truly feels like international. Um, it, it just doesn't. We we just don't. I mean, there's golf, sort of, but golf doesn't really have the kind of like rabid 
uh, fan base that that F1 does, uh, obviously. Um, mm-hmm. But also like tennis is like another thing that it's like, oh, that's like an international thing. And there are like real serious fans about tennis. But like, it's just nice seeing us be excited about an international sport here in the U.S. Um, yeah. Uh, and it does. It feels it feels like the stock is going up. Um, it, it doesn't feel like it is going down as rapidly one because Red Bull did not win in such a dominant fashion today. I mean the weekend, yes. Yep. They absolutely dominated the weekend right down to Sergio Perez pitting on the last lap for the fastest lap to steal that from from Lewis. Yep. So Red Bull absolutely took every available point that they could um considering where their cars finished. So really impressive but I think we also might be seeing the rise of the McLarens. We might see because they're going to have some of their upgrades come online at Silverstone. So we've got like more Mercedes upgrades coming at Silverstone. We've got more uh, uh, more McLaren stuff coming at Silverstone. We're going to have more Aston Martin upgrades coming at every single race going forward, pretty much. Uh, so mm-hmm. I think that is what it feels like. Uh, yeah, it feels like Max is still running away with it a little bit, but he's not so far out of everyone's reach at this point, you know, um, by the, yep. by the time Lewis made it onto the start, finish straight, Max hadn't completely cleared, uh, the like turn six, you know, like, it's like, okay, well, at least he's not like damn near lapping the entire field by the time he finishes a race. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's helpful. Uh, especially on a track as short as this one. Cause that's the real, that's also the real danger of Canada is like, if you lap someone, it's only 2.3 miles, I think is the track or something. So it's not long, not long, yeah. not long at all. Um, yeah, I think that, uh, that, that pretty much, oh, there was one more Alonzo, one more Alonzo thing that happened. Uh, and it was, um, I think it was when Lewis put in like a fastest lap or got, oh, it was, uh, Alonzo's race engineer comes over the radio and goes, uh, Lewis, oh. Lewis is yeah. within 1.9 seconds. And Alonzo replies, got it. Leave it to me. <laughs> I was like, Ooh, is, was it, was it leave it to me or was it, I know what to do. Oh no, it was, it was, it was uh, yeah. Leave it to me. Like, it was just like, wow, I've got this. I I know what I I'll must stop. do. I'll take it from here. Yeah, it was yeah. just such a boss response in like such a disrespectful way, uh, but in like the most polite, disrespectful way to be like, thank you for that information. I will now do the job I was put here to do. And it was like, ooh, ooh, you're ice cold. Yeah. You're ice cold, Fernando, and I love it. Um, looking forward to his uh, eminent victory. He's, it's, it's, impending it is on its way uh if it doesn't happen next race if it doesn't happen in two races maybe it'll happen in three races it'll it'll happen before the summer break though i think i think <sighs> all right johnny i'm here for it what 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 else what else do we got here on the docket today uh other than we we left ferrari off we left ferrari off for the most part we talked briefly about them I just want to see 
Charles not be so miserable at least once a weekend? Like he just needs to have a weekend that he's not miserable once. I don't I don't think there's any coming back from this. It's damaged goods all around both sides. I think yeah. this is a relationship that is not going to last. Yeah, but and even if things turn around, I don't know that you can get over this sort of stuff and I and I think it's it's to the point where this may have like already ruined Charles's greater career potential yeah yeah that and i think and i think that's increasingly apparent to him yeah and that's a unforgivable slight yeah to to get just to to get over and move on from yeah i mean what i really hope happens is he finds a way to he finds a way to not do any more damage to himself he does like a one plus one uh, with Ferrari next year, and then he just signs to Audi, and then he gets to chuck mm-hmm. deuces and go like, "All right, I'm out. Um, it's I'm I'm going to Audi." Uh, and then he becomes a factory driver for Audi, and they absolutely trounce Ferrari uh, because I think that that's what's going to happen is Audi's going to show up and do. I mean, even though there's there's some rumors about Audi being woefully behind schedule by the way have you heard about that yeah i was gonna say i heard i heard they're like six months behind yeah where they should be on engine development which is certainly scary yeah that's and i mean yeah i i think i think it's gonna be i think it's gonna be an uphill battle for audi and i don't for that reason i don't think i think if god if charles goes anywhere he's gonna go to a top tier team. I think it would be excellent to see him right alongside Alonzo. I don't know if there's any removing Lance from no, no, I don't the think so. the seat that has his name deeply embroidered yeah. into it. You know, yeah, yeah, just like you know the the seat in the helicopter that's reserved for him yes. and the private jet and yes. the, the submarine that they cruise around in and, and whatnot. The hovercraft, the deep space, uh, the hovercraft. Vessel. Yep. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yep. Uh, the Mars Rover, the cushy gaming chair in the panic room. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> the, the, uh, like the iron maiden panic sarcophagus that sits with inside the panic room that is specifically bespoke for Lance. Yeah. I mean, I, uh, yeah. Now, now that, now that we mention it, it's Audi's probably not the best spot for him. Oh gosh, Charles. Oh, I'm so, I'm so worried about him. I'm so worried about him. Uh, Maybe he goes to Alpine. He's not going to Alpine. Gasly's Mm -hmm. not going anywhere. Mm -hmm. Neither is Ocon and Alpine is only getting better. He's not going to McLaren yeah. because Lando's got a deal there for a very long time. Piastri is yeah. now going to be their franchise driver. Uh, he's not going to Mercedes because Lewis isn't going anywhere. He's not going to yeah. Red Bull because even if you do have Sergio going somewhere, Danny Rick is definitely slotting in there. And if it ain't Danny Rick, it's Yuki Sonoda. So, yeah. I, uh, is he going to go back to Toro Rosso? Is he going to go back to Alpha Tauri? 
Like, is he like what happens? He's he's going to be like racing NASCAR. That's what it's going to be. It's going to be some. Yeah. Some totally Chuck Deuces sort of yeah. uh, sort of action. Or maybe he goes to Le Mans. We'll see. Maybe he goes to Le Mans because he said he wants yeah. to. Maybe that's that's what happened. I hate that we're even considering this, but like there's nowhere he can go. I feel I feel the pain, though. I feel the pain for for Chuck. Yeah. Well, from from like heir apparent to a world title at Ferrari to someone yeah. who quite literally he's like, hey, I, I want to put softs on. And they're like, no. He's like, uh, okay, so what are we putting on? And they're like, hards. And he's like, what? Not even me? <sighs> okay, <laughs> fine. <laughs> and then when it was raining, mm-hmm. he was like, hey, is it time for intermediates? And they're like, nah, not yet. And he's like, well, I think it's time for intermediates. And they're like, no. Everybody goes to intermediates. Mm. And then he's like, cool, rain stopping. There's a dry line out here. Like, I can see it as I'm pulling out of the pit lane. I'm just going to come back in and get some softs. And they're like, nope. Stay out of intermediates. Does another lap. Mm-hmm. Rain starts chucking it down. And then he comes back in and is like, cool. So I'm out in qualifying again. I am don't I don't even get yeah. into the top 10. Cool. Deeply disgraceful. And then, oh, look, my teammate's right there next to me. What happened to him? Oh, it's because the team didn't let him know that there were cars on hot laps. Cool. So Ferrari's sabotaging both of its drivers. God, Ferrari, do better. I mean, you had a good points haul this weekend, but at what cost? Like, what did this weekend cost you in the long run, Ferrari? It's probably more than you're willing to have paid for the, what was it, P four and p5 is what they got whatever that was yeah yeah yeesh yeesh all right sorry to dip back into the podcast to talk about how terrible ferrari is but into your emotional baggage but i can't let it go i just see (laughs) charles face and i want to like clutch him to my bosom and just go, no, 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 no. You want to take care Don't of Don't look over there, Charlotte. Yeah. No, 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 no. That The big red monster can't scare you anymore. That's all I want to do. I say this as I'm wearing a red shirt. It would probably just drive him into like a, a, a fugue state. All right. <laughs> where, uh, where can the folks find you out there in the world, Johnny? Where can they track you down? Uh, you can always track me down via my home base of johnnymotion.com. Corey, where can the folks find you? Nice. You can track me down. Uh, I am Burn Corey Burn on all the social media stuff. And then the F1 Files on TikTok and Twitter and the F1 Files pod on Instagram. Uh, and you can find me in the world uh, tomorrow night if you are in Los Angeles. That is the 19th of June. Juneteenth, I am doing a celebration of Juneteenth uh, here at the UCB Theater with a whole bunch of other black nice. performers, and I'm very excited for it. I'm um, doing, doing a sketch with my buddy Marcus uh, that he wrote, and it's some characters we've done before, and I am very excited to do it. So come check that show out at 8.30 tomorrow night. Oh, that should be awesome. Yeah. Uh, it may get filmed, and maybe I'll, I'll, I'll grab some of that footage. And release it as well nice. if it gets filmed. Uh, but otherwise, 
yeah, I mean, you're gonna have to catch up with us because we we have to catch up with you because no one else will let us catch up to. with them. No one else wants to hear about this stuff. Uh, but we'll catch up with you next week on the F1 Files.